notification. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Be on your best behavior now. <laughs> okay. The story begins. The story continues. That's the truth because we're on part four of chapter 37. Section story, D. Section D. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the thing. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay. So we left off last week with a story. Um, we'll repeat the story again because it's a great story and it really drives the point home. At a Fabrengen in 770 Chabad World Headquarters, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, one Shabbos, was discussing the concept that the reason why God created the world was essentially for us, essentially for our mission. Our mission of beautifying this world, of making this world a home for God. Which means everything we do in this world, as we've been learning, has a global impact. All Any choice we're going to make in life is either going to be a step toward revealing the divine presence or concealing the divine presence. Which makes an incredible global impact. Right? We spoke about the impact of a mitzvah. Because you have a nice kosher steak for your Shabbos meal. You've elevated the steak. You've elevated the shochet, right? The, the ritual slaughterer. You've elevated the farm in which the cow was, was raised it. Because you couldn't have that steak without it. You can't have a Shabbos meal and you can't be doing that mitzvah without it. So with one mitzvah, we, it goes so far. So somebody once asked the Lubavitch Rebbe, he, after, after after bringing, he had a meeting, a personal audience with the Rebbe, and he said, um, Rabbi, I don't understand this. You have millions and millions, maybe even a billion, I guess, people in China who don't even know about Judaism, who aren't even aware of this mission. How is that world, how is that corner of the world being affected? This might have been before there were shluchim in China. Um, how is this world, corner of the world being affected? The Rebbe told him that the answer to your question is in your coat. I didn't know what the Rebbe was talking about. <laughs> the guy leaves and he looks in his coat. It says, made in China. <laughs> on his tag <laughs> his coat enabled him to come to shul his coat was part of that mitzvah which means the factory in which that coat was produced now had a portion in in, in that mitzvah becoming elevated we we can't underestimate the power of one mitzvah the impact of a mitzvah right now we're studying torah and there's the paper factory that, that enabled the production of this book. There's the ink uh, production. There's the publisher. There's Amazon where we got the books from. I think there's the book was Zoom. also made in China. Right. So with one mitzvah, with one word of Torah study, one, just doing God's will anytime has such an incredible impact. It's an incredible impact. We can't imagine it. It's an unimaginable impact. It really is. Um, let's take a look on page 420. 420, the second paragraph here. Because the overall structure of the souls of Israel, we'll talk more about that, which consists of 600,000 core soul units, represents the foundational spiritual energy of the whole world, which was created for their sake. 
which means the world is very much connected with our souls. We each essentially have a portion in this world. Let's take a look at the next paragraph to, and I'll elaborate even further. And each individual core soul is designated and contains the energy of one six hundred thousandth part of the physical world. And the elevation of that portion of the world to which a soul has been designated is dependent on the energizing soul elevation to God. So we each have a portion. We each own a portion of this world, essentially. When we elevate ourselves, we elevate our portion in the world. So what happens when every Jew, or at least most Jews, elevate themselves and do a mitzvah? The world is in an elevated state. It's incredible. It really is incredible just to think about that for a moment, to let that sink in while I drink my soda. No, okay. <laughs> That's not a real soda. It's not a real soda. I already had too much today. That's why. <laughs> Our actions affect the surroundings. Our surroundings have and have a global cosmic impact. How do we do this? The next paragraph, the third or fourth bold paragraph. And this elevation of your specific portion of the world takes place when you use the physical world to help your body and energizing animal soul to um, in the worship of God, such as eating, drinking, as well as using our home and all its equipment. So any physical activity in which we're involved with is part of our, uh, um, is part of our service to God. It's part of our mission in this world. There's an incredible paradigm shift here. It's between the lines, but think about it for a second, right? Incredible paradigm shift. We have, again, um, BT and AT, before Tanya and after Tanya. So before Tanya, I have religious obligations. God wants me to pray. God wants me to do mitzvahs. God wants me to go to synagogue or, or whatever it is, right? I have 613 obligations. Um, I also have to eat because I'm a human being. I also have to drink and I also have to sleep. So my mundane life and my spiritual life are seen as two independent things. That's BT. That's before Tanya. But now we have AT. We have after Tanya. After Tanya is God needs me in this world. God needs me in this world to make it more comfortable for him. And the way I do that is incorporating his will within everything. Eating, sleeping, drinking. That's all part of my prayer, part of my Torah study, part of my mitzvah observance. It's all one. It really is all one and the same. It's not two separate things. It's not that I'm in a physical world and I need to take a break to connect to God. God is everywhere. I have to reveal him everywhere. About 10 years ago, our first day of yeshiva, <laughs> of post high school yeshiva in Los Angeles, 
the Rosh Yeshiva, the, the um, I guess the headmaster, if you will, of the Yeshiva, the head rabbi of the Yeshiva, this guy was a powerball, powerball of energy. I think a, a brainiac as well. <laughs> his, his, his knowledge was incredible. I remember once he forgot his book and he's in his lecture and he starts teaching us without a book. <laughs> just starts reading. <laughs> just starts reading, just starts teaching us. With a, okay, no book. Just <laughs> it was a, it was impressive. It was very impressive. We have our first orientation, our first day of orientation. And he gets up to tell us the schedule. And this is a no monkey business type of personality, this guy. There's no being late. There's no lack. You know, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a European. <laughs> he grew up in America, but he's a European at heart. You know what I mean? That's, he was born in, I think in Holland. That was like his personality. I, I don't know if you know what I mean. Like he had that, that uh, straight shooter personality. Did you say the Germans, right? Germans are like yeah. that. He was like a German. He, he was he was from Holland, but he spoke his original language was was German. Um, he comes he comes from a famous family. I don't know if you've heard of Emmanuel Schochat from Toronto. Yeah, because he spoke at the uh, JLI convention. Did he? Okay, so ago. this is his brother. It was oh. his brother. So just to, I don't know if you know, if you, you could check up Emmanuel Schalke. He passed away a few years ago. He was a famous speaker and, and author I mean, and debater. I mean, the, the younger Schalke. The younger Schalke spoke it in Palm Desert. From London. From London, yeah. Right. Okay. So that was Emmanuel's son. So this would, so, so this rabbi gets up and he's telling us the schedule in Yeshiva. So he says, here's the schedule. The schedule is. And, and to give some context here before I get to this, just to give some context to the story, yeshiva and college are very different because in college, your goal is to get either a degree or to get information, right? And you party along the way. <laughs> in yeshiva, the goal is not necessary. The goal isn't to get information. The information is the tool. The goal is to develop yourself as a Jew. Um, yeah, if you get a degree, if you, if you get smicha, you get rabbinical ordination, but the goal is really, the ultimate goal is to develop ourselves as Jews. That part of information is part of that. So to get, just with that context, he announces, here is the schedule of yeshiva. 24-7. <laughs> like what? <laughs> How could we be studying for 24-7? <laughs> the schedule is 24-7. Like, what are you talking about? So he says, within those 24 hours, you have certain hours where you're studying. You have certain hours where you're sleeping. You have certain hours where you're eating. You have certain hours where you're relaxing with your friends or whatever you may choose to do. You have certain hours where you're praying, but they're all part of your relationship with God. It's not that when you're in classroom hours studying Torah, you're connecting to God. And when you're eating, you're, it's about you, indulging. It's not two separate worlds. In 24-7, you're serving God. You have a relationship with God. You're bringing God in this world. And this is exactly what the Tanya is telling us here. 
It's not that I have, I like to eat, I like to sleep and I'll make time to pray and study Torah. It's really all one and the same, or at least it should be because it's all part of bringing God to this world. Any questions, thoughts, commentaries, not commentaries, controversies, that's what I meant. Commentaries. That's a beautiful concept. Commentaries concept. also welcome. What? It's a beautiful concept, you know. So it's, it's your life. It's everything. So, it's part and parcel of who you are. Yeah. Th think so about it this way. A, a marriage, you're not just married when you're at home. And then when you're at work, you're not married anymore. Right? So it's, it's about being, being, uh, being real all the time. Yeah. Being, being who you are, not wearing a different coat to go to work in a different coat to stay home and right and and exactly and actually i'm glad you mentioned that it's very relevant to this week's tour portion there are times where we have to wear a different coat at work but you know when isaac had to when jacob had to steal the blessings from his twin brother Esau, from his blind father isaac right and we're going to learn about this more tomorrow night actually he put on the furry coat right so that when, right. when Isaac feels him, he thinks that he's Esau. Sometimes we, we have to dress up. But what did Isaac say? The hands are the hands of Esau, but the voice is the voice of Jacob. Deep down inside, we still have to know who we are. Even when we're at work, we still know who our spouse is. <laughs> and it's very clear, right? Even in Judaism, boundaries, relationship boundaries are very clear to whom you're married to and whom you're not, right? There's the concept in Jewish law called yichud, seclusion, right? The prohibition of being of a man and woman being secluded with each other if they're not married. And the reason for that boundary is because, no, you're married to your spouse even if you're not in the, even if you're at work, <laughs> right? We're married to God. We have a relationship with God the whole day, the whole time. And even if we're not in the synagogue, Okay, eating is part of our relationship to God. It's part of our mission in bringing God to this world. If we make a blessing and if we use that energy for the right things. And so is sleeping and so is exercising and so is enjoying with our friends and family. Or at least it can be. It's not supposed to be two separate worlds. This is exactly what that, our rabbi was telling us. The schedule is 24-7. <laughs> because it's not just about getting information. and it, It's about developing our relationship with God. This is exactly why we exist. This is exactly why our soul came down to this world. Okay, so there's two texts. Uh, Mike, this is your cue. There's two texts that we're going to share on the screen here that are very relevant to this concept. They are both from Hayom Yom. Yom Yom is a small, um, it's a little calendar offered by the Lubavitcher Rebbe with a, an entry for each day of the Jewish year. It's usually some sort of insight or custom, often very insightful, very inspiring. The host has to enable me to share my screen. Oh, okay. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. How do I do that? I think I'm technically the host now, right? No, I, I clicked for you, allow record. Uh, hey, Mike, I'll just make you the host. Does that work? 
It's gone. Okay, Mike, you're the host. So what, what date? Ooh, okay. I don't remember. You'll see it on the screen though in a second. You could check it up in there. Uh, Great. Can you okay. see my screen now? There sort we go. Yeah. Elul. Whoever has space. So Hayom Yom, the third of Elul. Um, yeah, whoever has faith in individual divine providence, which means have faith in the fact that God is very relevant to the world, knows that man's steps are established by God. Quote, that this particular soul must purify and improve something specific in a particular place. That's exactly what our souls are doing here. Our souls are here for on a mission. For centuries, or even since the world's creation, that which needs purification or improvement waits for this soul to come purify or improve it. The reason why you're in Pleasanton right now is because you're, it was wait, Pleasanton was waiting for your soul to come, or wherever you might be. The soul too has been waiting ever since it came into being for this time to descend so that it can discharge the task of purification and improvement assigned to it. What are we here for? Right? Pleasanton is calling your name and your soul wants to be here. Our animal, you know, our soul might not find it comfortable here, but it understands that it has a mission here. A very important mission. This is exactly what we're saying. Our mission is not in heaven. Heaven is a great experience. It really is. But that's not our mission. It's not our, our, our job. Our job is to be here on earth and wherever we find ourselves. You know, th this might give insight. I mean, who knows why God allowed Corona and lockdown and all these crazy things to happen. But maybe God wants us to be home. Maybe he see, feels that or knows that home needs to be elevated. Just, just a thought. Um, let's take a look at text number two, um, or the next text, Mike, if you want to just scroll down a bit. Okay. A similar, uh, a, a very similar insight. The soul above awaits the time that it will be privileged to descend into a body. For the soul senses how much it can accomplish here below. It can attain the level of delighting with God. So what is everyone waiting for? Our soul is here. The, the, the deepest relationship with God that the soul can have is in this physical world. Making the world a home for God. This is what it's all about. Incorporating God, incorporating our relationship with God in this physical world. Okay, um, hold on. Right, okay. Any thoughts? Make sense? Yeah, this is really consistent with, you know, everything we've been learning, right? So it make, makes a lot of sense. Right, right. It, it, it really is... You know, it's very consistent with, with the Kinos HaShulchem celebration. This is what the Kinos HaShulchem is, is. This is what motivated 
what we're learning right now, five to 6,000 rabbis to move to the middle of nowhere. It seems, it seems sad that this is the most important thing for the soul, but it's such a short time. Interesting. So I, so this, that leads me to begin to think about like how um, the soul gets to journey, maybe not just once, but multiple times. So uh, Josh, can you speak to that a little bit? Okay, that's true. The soul, you know, when, when the soul doesn't um, complete its mission, it does come back. Um, that's the concept of, you know, reincarnation. That is a Jewish concept. But the truth is, the, the ultimate goal, though, is, is to bring Mashiach, is to bring God's presence to this world. Is to usher in that era. It has a job to do, right? Um, but but the ultimate goal is, you know, it's supposed we're supposed to be producing results. <laughs> the result of bringing ushering the the messianic era much closer, bringing God's presence to this world in a more palpable way. That makes sense. It's sort of, uh, yeah. We were talking today when I came to uh, the shul to pick up something. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to Josh and Rabbi Josh and I was, uh, we were talking about kosher food. So I asked him, I said, well, I'm not keeping kosher, but if you can guarantee that if I keep kosher, that'll bring the Mashiach, uh, I'll do it. And without missing a beat, Rabbi Josh said, I can guarantee it. <laughs> and you're keeping kosher now? The Did truth is, yeah. I'm not the one guaranteeing it. It's the Torah. <laughs> and, and it's the Tanya that we're learning. It's, it's incorporating God into this physical world. That God wants to dwell on your dining room table. And on your plates. And in our palate. That's where he wants to dwell. That, that, and that's what Mashiach is. God being very intimately close with the physical world. <clears throat> Um, I have a question. Yeah. So the Pasha about um, um, deceiving, um, like to make sure that that you get your birth right. And is that not just like chasing the Mashiach away? <laughs> or like... It's an excellent question. It's an because excellent like question. we're talking about all these beautiful things and it's actually so, it grates me to think that somebody can deceive their father to gain something so spiritual and take away from someone else that may be trying hard? It's an excellent question. You have to come to tomorrow's class. <laughs> uh, okay. It's tomorrow's <laughs> topic. But I'll, I'll give you the quick answer, though. The quick mm-hmm. answer is he actually purchased it from him. I mean, just on the, in the literal text. He purchased it from Jacob, from, from, from Asa. So it was his word. He gave it, and then he went back on his word. Um. Because he said, if you give me the food, then I will, then, then, and then. Exactly. Legally, it was his. Okay. Now, there, there's a lot more to it, and we're going to discuss more of it tomorrow. There's a much, there's, there's more his, significance his to why he had. 
but his dad what? wasn't part of this trade. The dad wasn't part of the trade. Right, right. So that's the question. That's why a wasn't his dad? Why wasn't his dad part um, aware of this? Why didn't he want to tell his dad? Um, why didn't the mother Rebecca, who encouraged the deception, tell the dad? Why weren't they on speaking terms? A lot. There's a lot of mis mysteries with this story. Yeah. Um, in short, it ironically brought Mashiach closer, not further. Okay. But it, um, that's the short answer. You know, legally it was it was his. But but it's so a good question. We, it's if we you, if you, we uh, that you get past the, to this part, then maybe we get a new something to understand. <laughs> <laughs> right, a new new insight. New insight. Right, but but Sharon, you have a very good point. Um, honesty, morality. Torah cares about that a lot. Yeah. Because God wants to be part of the ethical and physical world. To the point that he tells us not just how to pray and, how, and what, you know, God tells us what to eat. He gives us values. In every facet of life, God wants to dwell. And that's why Torah covers value, has values in every facet of life. Tells us how to pray. Tells us how to be spiritual. Tells us how to be ethical. Tells us how to be, how to eat, how to be social. Yeah. And we because just God need to really read it wants right. to be what? And we just need to read it right and make sure we right. get the right thing. The right answer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 but this is the bottom line. This is the, the bottom line of Judaism. It's right here. We're here to illuminate this world. We're here to merge the physical world with God not divorce the physical world to just be spiritual. We're supposed to merge the two. It's not just, um, you know, the, 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 the yeshiva schedule. It's 24 seven. You know, it's, it's just such a powerful message that, that, that when he said that it, it was a cute joke, but, uh, but it actually left a powerful perspective gave perspective into what life is really all about, to what existence is really all about. Let's take a look on 421. Page 421, um, the right under where, the, the third bold paragraph, right where it says 26th of Adar, This is the ultimate purpose of why we came down into this world, like we read in the Hayom Yom. And each soul spark came down to this world, not for its own sake, but to influence the animal soul and the body, as we shall soon see. The reason why the soul came down here is not for an experience, a spiritual experience, because it could have had a better experience in heaven, right? Because take a look at the next, um, next bold paragraph. Who would like to be our volunteer for the next bold paragraph? I'm getting tired of hearing myself. <laughs> uh, Who's up for it? And coming into this world? Yeah, please. Yeah. And, and coming into this world is a very great downgrade. For the soul, a real experience of exile. For even if that soul-body combination were to become a complete sadic, worshiping God with reverence and great pleasurable love, that soul wouldn't reach the same level of emotive 
connection to God, the love and fear that it experienced before coming down to the, this material world, neither a part of it nor a fraction of it. There is simply no similarity or comparison at all between these two states. As every intelligent person realizes that the body can't contain the same level of emotive connection to God as a soul in heaven. Okay, thank you. So, so yeah, well, think about it. However passionate I'm going to be about God in this world, however much reverence I'm going to experience, however much I'm going to love God, it can't compare to how passionate I was before the soul entered the body when I was in heaven. Which means, in terms of my experience, there's a big downgrade. I come, our soul is sent to this physical world, to this physical body, and now it's, it's less spiritual. Its relationship with God has been somewhat dim in terms of its experience, right? It's love, it's reverence, the, the, the ultimate, the, the overwhelming feelings aren't there. Think about it. How kind difficult. Of like, kind of like a dilution? Is it kind of like it got diluted? Yeah. Think, well, think about it. How passionate are we about God on our, on our highest point? Right? If you were to rate that between one as not very passionate and 10, very passionate. Let's say you gave yourself an 11, right? It's Yom Kippur or it's Simchas Torah or it's some sort of day that you're, what, it's a point in time where you're super inspired and you give yourself an 11, right? Beyond the 10. Okay, but if your soul wasn't in a physical body and wasn't corrupted by physical indulgences and experiences and by, by, by um, experiences that the soul doesn't want to experience, right? If the soul was just back in heaven where it came from, it would be more than an 11, right? However inspired we're going to be in this world, you can't compare to what the soul was experiencing prior. Which leads us to the question, why did the soul come down? What's it doing here? It seems like it's, it, it seems like a downgrade. And the answer is all the way on the bottom of 421. The last word of the page, we're going to flip to 422 right after. Rather, the soul's downgrade as it is invested into a body and energizing animal soul is only for the purpose of fixing the body and animal soul, not for the soul's own sake. Why did the soul come down? What does it have to gain? Nothing. It doesn't have to gain. It has to give. The soul has to give. The soul has to convince the animal soul to light the Shabbos candles, to put on tefillin, to be more careful with kosher observance, to celebrate Shabbos, to get involved. That's what the soul has to do. It has to give, not to gain. Because if it wanted to gain, stay where it is. It's a lot more inspiring in heaven. <laughs> so do, when souls, do all souls come as equals or are some energetic, some not so energetic, some intelligent, some not so intelligent? Good, good question. Very good question. There's different levels of the soul. There is the core of the soul, which is all the same, but, but essentially everybody is going to have their own personality. 
Is that the uh, is that the four different levels and then ten levels within each one each one of those levels? Is that what you're referring exactly. to? Exactly, exactly. And and we'll discuss this, but there are the the different faculties of the soul, and you know, for example, Abraham, his focus was on love, on passion, on chesed, on on kindness and benevolence. Isaac was focused more on discipline, on reverence. Um, they, they just had different styles, different different uh, personalities. So is this like Birke Avot? Is that what he's talking about? In what sense? The the different levels of the of all the attributes, like the, well, the stuff inside, like the discipline inside something else, and the you know the the different. I don't know. It's not levels, but the different attributes and all the different things contained in each one of them. Right, right, right. So uh, essentially, each soul is going to have its own personality, even within the divine soul. Um, but the mission is the same by everybody. Everybody's equal in their mission. Everybody's soul comes down, not so it can be inspired, although it can get inspired and it should get inspired. But that's not the goal. That's not its mission. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is to give. Is to influence. Um, you, you know, there's this time of the year where you have to change to grow, and you have to 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 move to grow and and get out of your comfort zone. So maybe the soul needs to grow through giving to the to the physical, and I don't know. So it's kind yeah. of yeah, That's because true. I I can't remember where they were wandering in the desert, and you have to keep moving, and you have to go change and maybe that's what the soul's mission is to they don't want to do it it's not pleasurable but they have right. to do it to reach their, their, their to become right. one with so so very valid point that the soul is going to grow from this experience but in terms of um it, in terms of the the the, the inspiration that it's going to receive maybe ultimately it'll be even greater could be but it can't happen without giving because that's its purpose. It can't happen without its doing without it fulfilling its purpose. The soul doesn't know what kind of animal soul it's getting itself paired with. I mean, you could the Rebbe. Oh, it's a it's a culture soul, shock. What's that? <laughs> it's oh. a culture shock for sure. I mean, the Rebbe's soul uh, had a, a animals. I mean, either it got the animal soul under control just immediately, or. Uh, it had a very passive animal soul or something. And then there are souls that come down and the, and the animal soul is an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic wife beater. <laughs> even, even Jewish. <laughs> even a Jewish rave, rave, raving alcoholic. It's, you're right. There is a lot to deal with. So, so okay. So that's, you have a very good point. In, in, in the beginning of Tanya, earlier we, we asserted that if we're not going to be a tzaddik, you know, the, the struggle that the Benini has is that he's not going to, he's not going to eradicate the animal soul. He's going to at best, um, at best control it. Right. It's still going to be impulsive, but it's not going to actually behave. It's not going to actually act. It's just going to be. So, yeah, we do have to recognize that fact, but the animal soul can still listen to us. We can still train it to a degree. We could train it enough that it actually listens. It might not want to listen, but it's going to listen. A tzaddik will get his animal soul to want to listen. 
A Bainini will get his animal soul to listen, even though I don't want to. I'm going to do it anyways. This literally is why we're here. This literally is why we exist, why we literally exist, why we were born. And it's really why we, it's really what we're, uh, this is what we're doing on this Zoom call right now. We're trying to give to our animal soul. And giving to the animal soul on a very basic level means keeping it away from things that are dangerous for it, the 365 prohibitions, and connecting it to things that are healthy for it, the 248 positive mitzvahs, essentially connecting it to God. By the way, and one of my favorite insights on Tanya, think back to the beginning of Tanya, when the Altareva, the author, first introduced both souls. When he first introduced both souls, he first introduced the animal soul. Only later did he introduce the divine soul, calling it the second soul. As if it were secondary and not as important as the animal soul. You would think that the divine soul would be given precedence and that, you know, treated with a little bit more, uh, a little bit more respect. Why does the divine soul come for a second as if it were secondary? And why is the animal soul given precedence? And the answer is right over here. Because that's the goal. The goal is the animal soul. The divine soul is the tool. The goal is to bring God into this physical world, to incorporate our animal selves in our relationship with God. Our divine soul is just the shliach, the ambassador, the messenger. That's what a shliach is. I'm just on a mission. I'm just doing what I got to do. Our work is cut out for us. But, but I think what's most important here, there's a perspective. Imagine if we were inspired with this perspective, if we were mission driven. If we felt this certain clarity, this is why I exist. I have a purpose in my life. I'll tell you a beautiful letter of the Lubavitcher Rebbe that I, that I recently read. We have here, right over there, 33 volumes of responsa from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The, the people used to write letters to the Rebbe um, asking for answers for, uh, for all sorts of issues issues in halacha, issues in life in general, all, all areas of life. And people turned in their letters and uh, anonymously, 
and they made a book out of them and and they're categorized according to year so you read the letters and you you see the Rebbe's perspective and how and his approach to issues and the individual to whom he was responding was experiencing serious doubts in his Judaism and had serious questions and couldn't get over certain things and was starting to veer away from his Judaism. And the Rebbe's response, incredible. Here's what he told him. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, for thousands and thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years of Jewish history and Jewish literature, we'll show to you that the answers to your questions are there. You have the answers, they're there. Right, don't think you were the first one for thousands and thousands of years to think of that question. <laughs> There's tons of books and tons of rabbis who have been thinking about these things. The answers are there. He said, go learn. But th- here's what he said afterwards. If you don't find the answer, right? You're searching, you're searching, and you don't find the answer yet. You haven't succeeded. No, that that doesn't mean you're absolved from your mission in life. <laughs> You have a purpose in life. God needs you. God needs you to illuminate your animal soul, to illuminate your portion of the world, to bring the Mashiach. So you have a question. There's things you don't understand. There's things you don't like. There's things you're unhappy with. I'm sorry, but you have a mission and God needs you. In other words, there's times where we feel like, do I really need Judaism? Do I really need God? And when we don't feel like we need God, let's remind ourselves that God still needs us. Because again, what are we here for? If it's about the experience, we don't need to be here. But if it's about giving, we have what to give. We do. Each one of us has something to give. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's my story and I'm sticking to it. 